Welcome to another episode of This Week in Crypto. My name is Singh, and this week's episode is episode 12 from March 25th, 2018. In this episode, we're going to talk about finance and the FUD around it, its move to Malta and what that means for us, Edward Snowden talking about the blockchain ledger as being Bitcoin's biggest flaw, everyone freaking out about Bitcoin's blockchain having child pornography on it, and much, much more in this week's episode of This Week in Crypto. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Crypto, guys. My name is Singh, and yeah, you guessed it. It's March 25th, and we're already at episode 12. So there's a lot that's out there to talk about. So let's start out with Japan. One of the largest crypto exchanges has been ordered by the FSA, which is Japan's financial services agency, to suspend its operations. This is the news that shot across the internet and the social media, which caused a ton of fear this week. And as usual, I had to sit back and wait to see what was going to transpire. Now, it's great to know what's going on in the crypto world, but what's not so great is how fast investors are at reacting to news like this. And it's usually because it's their emotions and the fear of losing their investments that are involved. And when that happens, they tend to do stupid things. This is just a reminder to all of you guys and girls listening out there. And, you know, a healthy reminder to myself that if your emotions are involved, it's better to do nothing at all. It's usually because at, at these exact moments, our emotions tend to lead us astray. And we tend to make the biggest mistakes in investing. Getting back to Binance. Now, they've been having a bit of a hard time in the news these past few months. What surprises me is how they keep handling all of these speed bumps. In February, they had a system outage. And then a month later, the API issue that was prematurely called a hack by the media. And then now this. The big question is, why would, or rather, why should this matter to you? Well... Japanese trading represents the largest volume up till now in the crypto world. So then what's the issue? The issue is that Binance has never been formally registered in Japan, and for the past few months, and maybe even longer, the Japanese regulators have been hell-bent on making sure their exchanges are regulated. Up to this point is where all the FUD is being spread. But we all should know that Japan is very much pro-crypto. The reason for the crackdown is what we also have to remember. Binance has unlicensed and unregistered securities on its exchange. And then, on top of that, because Binance has the BNB, or the Binance token, it in itself is an unlicensed security. Guys, if you don't know what the difference between a security versus a commodity versus a utility is, then you really need to sign up over at CryptoCoinGuru.net. Because these things are extremely important to learn about. Especially since 2018, and maybe even going forward into 2019, is going to turn out to be the year in crypto or the years in crypto regulations. Knowing the difference and how each is looked at by a government is going to save you a ton of headache, money, and maybe even regulatory issues that your country or even state may have by holding these assets. Not all cryptos are currencies, and you have to know that not all these tokens and coins are treated equally. I can't emphasize how critical knowing what you are holding is. 
Now, getting back to Binance in Japan, in my honest opinion, any responsible country or nation would want exchanges that are operating on their soil to be licensed and registered, especially if they're trading securities. The reason for this is because if a security isn't registered or the exchange isn't registered, then there isn't anything preventing the security, in this case Binance, from running away with all your crypto. I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I'm not saying Binance is an exchange that can't be trusted or that they have any bad intent or malintent. As a matter of fact, I do most of my trading on Binance and I trust them, especially considering how they've been handling themselves this year with all the road bumps that have been coming their way. But that's not to say that tomorrow an exchange won't crop up and maybe they won't work on the same honor system as Binance does. Maybe, just maybe. All they want to do is get established traders on their platform and then, poof, disappear with billions and billions of investors' dollars in crypto. Unfortunately, that's just the environment we are in, in in the cryptosphere. There's a reason I call it the wild, wild west. For that very exact reason, Japan wants to make sure that these exchanges are licensed and regulated. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Guys, we keep going back to this. Regulation doesn't always equal bad. So, honestly, I would have liked to see Binance just register and get licensed in Japan. But at the same time, I am wondering why Japan isn't focusing more on the ICOs becoming registered rather than putting the burden on the exchange. So, in lieu of that, Japan decided to send an official notice to Binance. And, well, they decided to move to Malta. Now, this isn't the news I would like to focus on, but... Rather, the big news that got buried with the media hype about the move is how Malta has welcomed the exchange and what that means, especially since Binance has its eyes set on potentially becoming a fiat to crypto gateway. The announcement of Binance's move to Malta isn't small news by any means, but I really want to talk about Malta's response as Japan was cracking down on the exchange. I shouldn't just pick on Japan because at the moment, there are many countries trying to crack down on cryptocurrency exchanges in an attempt to get cryptos regulated. The important thing to remember is that there really is no roadmap in how to do this because a lot of the countries are trying to regulate it like they regulate the stock market and their exchanges, only to find out that cryptos can't be forced into that model. So, in my opinion, one of three things will probably end up happening. One, We'll either see a new wave of regulations that are specifically based on cryptos and for cryptos that'll be created. Now, this will regulate the crypto markets based on what is needed, and it'll be a little bit of a trial and error method of regulation. Two, we might see the regulatory boards around the world try to stuff crypto into the same regulatory framework as stocks are in now. Now, this method may seem to be working in the short run, but eventually governments will realize that a lot gets left out, or the innovation of the crypto sector gets hindered. And at that point, you'll start to see those in the creation and innovation side of the blockchain either figure ways around the regulations, do things regardless of the regulations, or, like in Binance's case, leave the nation that is strangling its innovation and move to another nation that will allow the progress to happen. Or the third scenario, which is that, for the time being, nations will just leave the crypto and blockchain sector to be what it is. Now, remember to keep this in the back of your mind while all this plays out. There are a lot of governments out there that are seeing the cryptoverse as a movement and more so an opportunity. They see it as something that isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So 
if other countries are pushing them away, hey, they're willing to step forward and accept these companies, exchanges, etc., etc., with open arms. That's exactly what Malta is doing. For people that don't know where Malta is, they're right below Italy in the Mediterranean. Now, it's a very beautiful place that I'm hoping to visit one day, but before I digress, Malta is stepping forward and saying, hey, we will create a favorable regulatory framework for cryptocurrencies, exchanges, blockchain companies, and crypto projects. We're not going to push you away. Rather, we're going to welcome you to our shores. Because we understand that if you aren't welcome in the US or Japan or XYZ nation, then someone has to take that business, and it might as well be us. All I can really say at this point is congratulations to Malta for securing the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world to open up shop there. As a whole, this could be a very positive move for Binance and for the entire marketplace. Now, the other thing that came out of this entire thing is the possibility of Binance becoming a fiat to crypto exchange. I don't want you to think that this all occurred because of what was going on in Japan. Rather, this is kind of where Binance was geared to head towards anyways. The reason this sticks out for me is for two reasons. One, it allows for the creation of another on-ramp from fiat to crypto. And being the largest or one of the larger exchanges in the cryptoverse, we are talking a torrent of users who will be able to get into the altcoin arena directly from fiat. That just made it a thousand times easier to own altcoins, which means most people out there who haven't even dreamed of being involved because it might have been too technical or too difficult to buy an altcoin are going to be swarming into this marketplace. Now that means volume, and volume also brings a rise in prices, though with this will come some negatives that we do have to keep an eye out for. New investors in this market also means people who haven't been exposed to the scams or don't even understand that there are ways people can take advantage of them in this arena. That means we as current investors, and especially educators of the blockchain realm, have to, have to, have to, have to take it upon ourselves to talk about and to reach out to these new investors to teach them how to safely invest, secure, and harness the power of cryptos. This also means that if we don't get ahead of this and help these newcomers on and shield them a bit from the negatives of the scams out there, then they will get taken advantage of. And in retrospect, it will bite you and me in the ass. Because in an attempt to protect the massive group of newbies from these scams, we'll start to see some more government regulations, like the ones we're seeing in the US, South Korea, Japan, China, Canada, etc. clamp down even harder into the crypto space. So, if we don't want to see over-regulations, we will have to do our due diligence and help others out as they grab a footing in the space. Think of it this way. By doing this, you're securing more profits for yourself and for your fellow crypto peers, keeping scammers at bay and helping the good name of crypto by keeping it clean. Now that alone will attract more investors. And you know what? You get to help your fellow human out. It's a win-win-win scenario. We have to take responsibility and do that. Otherwise, there will be no one else to blame but ourselves for falling prices. Fear, uncertainty, doubt created by the current financial system and some governments who want to create chaos in the cryptoverse. And a bigger struggle basically to get an amazing technology more accepted and used. So we get to shape the future. And it's really up to us now. It's not too big of a responsibility, but you don't even have to do anything. Just point them to this podcast. 
invite them to become members at uh, CryptoCoinGuru.net, and they'll take it from there. They'll open up the Crypto 101 articles, the videos, the reviews. You'll help them understand dollar cost averaging, because we have an article coming out this week on exactly that, and how to implement that investing strategy. It's that simple. And if you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Don't you want to understand for yourself how to invest and grow your investment? We aren't financial advisors, but we give you the tools to make your own educated moves in the market. That way, you know what is happening and when, what the signals mean and what the news could spell out for you. And more importantly, we are preparing and adding our Understanding Crypto series, which will simplify the blockchain concept. Investing without knowledge and fundamental analysis is simply gambling, guys. And when you gamble, the house always wins. Now, the second scenario, which we will see happening, is a shift or a shifting of the volume that's going to come in. So this is the important part to understand. And for those of us who are already in the market or have just recently gotten involved, we're going to start to see a shift of the volume as it comes in. First, going into the alt market because, well, let's put it this way. There's a lot of hype going on with each ICO out there. And that usually means that people are going to get swept up into the, the emotions of it all and start investing in the alt market. But eventually what's going to start to happen is we're going to start to see an evening out. And at that point, the investments or the volume that is in the alt market is going to swing over to the crypto or the uh, Bitcoin portion of it. So when this happens, if it happens, and it seems like it is going to happen since the banks are looking favorable towards Binance and this partnership, when it does happen, don't be alarmed if you start to see a rise in all coins and then all of a sudden anyone and everyone that is in uh, or has a holding over in Bitcoin decides to swing on over to the altcoins to ride that wave. And the reason I say that is, is because there are some people that are going to freak out and they're going to pull their, uh, pull some of their money out and it's okay. But for the majority of the part, just keep in mind that when you look at the markets, keep an eye on the fact that there is money that's going to be moving out of Bitcoin and into other elements of cryptocurrency or other assets. And then eventually as things come to a, uh, uh, they, they start to calm down a bit. You're going to see the wave go backwards back into Bitcoin. And that's when we're going to see even more investors starting to dump into Bitcoin. Um, and again, we're going to see this pattern continue as it goes all the way up. And then it comes, comes crashing down to normalize, as we say. Um, and so once this occurs, this is a possibility, though, bearing in mind, We've seen this with cryptocurrencies. Nothing is certain. Um, this week we saw that we hit the 9,000 mark. Uh, we were staying pretty consistently over the 8,500 mark on Bitcoin. And then from out of nowhere, um, it goes below 8,500. So these are things that we're going to have to keep an eye on and just keep a few things at the back of our head or in, in the back of our mind. Uh, as I look at the charts right now, I'm seeing that Bitcoin is currently sitting at 84.49, Ethereum at 519, and Litecoin at 160. So, 
you know, nothing is quite certain when it comes to these numbers, but it is something that that we can kind of gauge here and there to see, especially with something like this and and a huge influx that we're going to see with this whole fiat to currency thing that Binance is going to open up. Now, let's also keep in mind that Binance isn't the only one. Bittrex has also announced that, or they've been gearing towards this, this idea of fiat to crypto for their exchange, as well as a few other exchanges out there. What I do want you to know and understand is that this means that a lot of the volume from Coinbase and GDAX may start to dwindle as they, as people start to use other exchanges. And the interesting thing is, is it's going to create a little bit of competition. And competition is always good because at that point, what I'm looking for is reduced rates, reduced rates to make these trades. I'm hoping that Binance ends up lowering its rates for uh, when I pull my cryptocurrency out of Binance, as well as Coinbase and GDAX decide to, you know, lower their rates or their percentage that they take from the cut, giving us better opportunities for trading. And when I mean trading, that also inc- it's also inclusive of investing. I want to talk about what's been in the news, and this kind of caught my attention. So th- I was reading a uh, an article on Complex, which is a website here, and it talks about how Bitcoin blockchain holds links to child pornography. Uh, written by an author who... I don't know what her background is, Catherine Barner, or if she knows anything about uh, Bitcoin or if she's been doing any writing in this uh, this uh, sphere or not. But the article that she wrote was basically talking about how the, there's this the, the latest in the ongoing chain of Bitcoin news is actually something that's terrifying, and that's that researchers have claimed that digital ledger uh, for Bitcoin which is a form of cryptocurrency, actually contains child pornography. And the first thing I really want to do is I want to first talk about this article. And the article goes on and talks goes on and talks about Bitcoin's blockchain stores more than just its transactions and transfer information, but also contains a number of files and data that's non-functional or non-financial. It then leads on to talk about the German paper, a quantitative analysis of the impact of arbitrary blockchain content on Bitcoin, and how the research from RWTH, Aachen University, revealed that someone had used the blockchain to store malicious content, including child pornography. It's also explained that the study, or the researchers, had went on to say that since all blockchain data is downloaded and persistently stored by users, they're liable for any objectionable content. The one heading that really kind of got me was, quote, if you own Bitcoin, you also own links to child porn. Now, I want to kind of set the record straight here. The CP or child pornography on the blockchain story isn't news and it isn't new. In fact, it was first dragged up in 2013 and has been revived six years on purely because a new paper has given claims an air of legitimacy. News outlets were quick to jump on this story again, which was then widely shared by attention trolls and, you know, authors that don't do their own research or writers or or so-called news writers like Brianna Wu, who don't do their research. The false hypothesis comes from the fact that 
it's possible to encode information in the blockchain. That was how Satoshi famously hid his message in the Genius block. The Times, quote, The Times, 03 slash January slash 2009, Chancellor on brink of second bailout for banks. Anyone inspecting the blockchain won't find those words, however. Instead, they'll find the following hash. Like a bunch of zeros, 190-6689-C-0858-E-165, and on and on and on. That is the block's Coinbase parameters. And it has nothing to do with Coinbase, the company. It's just written in hex. So a research paper that was published in July of 2017 titled Data Insertion in Bitcoin's Blockchain explores this topic in more detail. And it, and ex it explains how the Coinbase data is basically arbitrary and can be up to 100 bytes in size. Only miners have the ability to insert data in this manner. And it's typically used to signal mining support for proposed protocol changes. There are five other ways in which the data can be encoded on the Bitcoin blockchain. And it's the the op return option that is at the center of the child pornography story. The 2017 research paper basically explains that the method is appropriate for inserting small amounts of data or transaction metadata. But what it's saying is it's not suitable for large quantities of data. 80 bytes is all the op return can store. And what's more, that information is subject to deletion. That's because Bitcoin nodes are capable of basically pruning or probably unsuspendable UTXOs for efficiency, which includes the op return data. Anyone wishing to use the, the Bitcoin blockchain to seek out child pornography would need to perform the following convoluted process. First, download the entire blockchain, Bitcoin blockchain, and sift through about 251 million transactions to find that 1% that or um, I believe it's 1.4% that contains some kind of arbitrary data encoded in them. Then they would have to ensure that the version of the blockchain you were using had been subject to no pruning that might have removed that op return data. After that, extract any of the web links that might be concealed in the data using some sort of steganography. Once that's done, type the links into your browser until you eventually found a website that was still accessible. So basically... Those are the steps that you would have to do that it would be almost impossible. And to assert that Bitcoin blockchain contains child pornog pornography is not only disgenuous and it, it there's it's no more meaningful than saying that the Internet contains child pornography. You could live to 100 and never encounter any of that on the Web because that's not how the Web works. And that's definitely not how blockchain works either, nor is it the way that um, Bitcoin's uh, ledger works. So basically what I'm saying is don't believe every headline you read. Asserting that there's a child pornography uh, or there's any type of child pornography on the blockchain would be like strolling through the U.S. Capitol building, dropping a scrap of paper containing a deep web address, and then claiming that the American government is storing obscene content. As respected Bitcoin commenter Nick Carter basically wrote, and I'm quoting him, quote, any journalist writing about arbitrary content injection into the Bitcoin blockchain should be extremely careful to detail to what extent that content exists, is, is extractable, viewable, etc. A text string, which is a URL, URL link to a website displaying a thing, is not the thing itself. 
That is an extremely bad interpretation. Do not conflate the two. If you're willing to claim that the blockchain contains X, you should be able to prove that you can extract X, end quote. So stenography and blockchain data insertion are fascinating topics that deserve a lot of scrutiny and further study. But to go out and say that the blockchain contains child pornography is not only misleading, but to the point of falsehood, but it, it's almost like it's spreading false news, fake news, and creating fear. Is it possible to encode a hidden link inside any database? Absolutely. And that includes the databases of Facebook, Twitter, and Wikipedia. But the act of doing so proves nothing other than the fascination some people may have for concealing messages within messages. And that's nothing new. That's been happening since 1499. Another story that I really want to kind of focus on, which was apparently released by Coindesk on March 22nd of this year, and that was the whole Edward Snowden saying public ledger is Bitcoin's big flaw. And now, in this article, it was just basically talking about how Snowden um, was speaking about uh, uh, how everyone is focused on the transaction rate limits of Bitcoin being its central flaw, blah, 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 blah. Um, and basically, he further explained that the existing mechanism of Bitcoin blockchain has the problem of uh, recording every transaction history with attempting to scale its uh, capacity in processing these transactions. Um, this, again, is another story from 2013. And I just don't know and I don't understand why these stories keep cropping back up from 2013. Um, it just seems that the people that are supposed to be reporting the news are not reporting the news. They're just failing in their job. And again, this is Coindesk. Um, you would think that these guys would do their research or that would go back and look into these stories and say, hey, you know what? This is uh, an old story. But no, they just slap it back on and push it right through the press. Uh, well, not the press anymore, but they just hit the enter bu button and it ends up on the screen of a million people that end up freaking out and the market does these dips because uh, the people reading it haven't been in the market long enough to understand uh, or haven't been, haven't been interested in blockchain uh, as a technology, but rather are just looking at, at, at it at, to make a quick buck. Uh, but again, to those people reporting this news... This is from 2013. Why the hell is it back up here? I, I, I have no idea. But these guys have to do a much, much better job in reporting the news. All right, guys. You know what that sound means. It's that time again. If you want to learn more about smart crypto investing, then become a member over at CryptoCoinGuru.net. Uh, if you're a returning member or a returning listener, hit that thumbs up button for us. And if this is your first time listening, hit the subscribe button and don't forget that hit that tiny little bell next to it so you get our weekly podcast notifications. Follow us on Facebook over at our Facebook page at CryptoCoinGuru as well as on Twitter at underscore CryptoCoinGuru. That's it, guys. That is episode 12 in the can. This is Singh signing out for CryptoCoinGuru. Till next week. Sayonara. <laughs>